everyone, and welcome to the Homicide Homegirls podcast, a weekly true crime podcast examining the true crime cases that fascinate and intrigue us. I'm Arielle. And I'm Amanda. Thanks for joining us. We can't wait to share the details of this wild episode with you. Happy Wednesday, listeners. So up until this point, um, myself, you know, Arielle, uh, I've led every episode, but today we're going to do something a little different. Um, this is episode six, and Amanda's going to lead it today, and we're going to try and shoot for, you know, every six episodes. Well, or whenever. Know, or whenever, you know, we'll, I'm trying to let, like, let go a little bit and let Amanda lead a couple, um, lead some episodes. So, you know, without further ado, take it away. Okay, so as many of you know, today marks the 18th anniversary of the September 11th attacks, and... You know, it's so crazy how I can remember exactly where I was when I found out about the terrorist attack, Um, as I'm sure every American knows exactly where they were and what they were doing. Um, Do you remember where you were? Um, I was 11, and I'm pretty sure I was at a Catholic, I went to Catholic school, so um, I think we were like switching classes as Uh it happened, and we had a TV in the library. Oh, gotcha. And I just remember everybody, like, freaking out because they had, like, the news on in the Mm -hmm. library. So, like, everybody was, like, rushing to the library. And it was a fairly small school, um, but still there's a lot of people in there. And I just remember watching the, you know, watching the footage and seeing the tower. We watched the towers fall. Yeah. I I don't even have the words because it was just so, like, I was 11. And 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 watching that happen. like No, and, like, this is real. Like, this is real life. Like, this is really happening. This is not a movie. This is the news. Like... I don't know. And I think before that, we had been so oblivious to stuff like that. Right, I was, because, I mean, we were 11. Yeah. And so, my experience was completely opposite. I went to a public school, and we, like, we were in class. Mm -hmm. We were essentially blindsided, you know? Um, So, I was in my afternoon math class in sixth grade, and the teacher told us, you know, what happened, and... It was actually my older brother's 13th birthday, and I felt so bad because, you know, his birthday would be forgotten about, and um, I guess that at that moment it was, like, pretty selfish thought, but, you know, my 11-year-old brain went there, (laughs) so shout out to my big brother, James. Happy 31st birthday. Happy birthday, James. Thanks for listening. (laughs) So, you know, it kind of makes sense for my brother, uh, his birthday, to be on September 11th because Mm -hmm. he went on to join the military, and... Um, that brings us to today's episode, so the murder of Taylor Doc Williams. So when Ariel and I decided to make our episode uh, release day on Wednesdays, we quickly realized that September 11th fell on a Wednesday. And I actually come from an extremely patriotic family. She does. I can, <laughs> I can attest to that. And um, I have so many veterans in my family, and my grandparents were actually married on the 4th of July, which is my favorite holiday. That's so cool. And um, He's so, never allowed to forget. He was no, never allowed to forget that no. anniversary. <laughs> so, um, Ari, and I, Ari and I agreed that we wanted today's episode to be about a veteran. And so, I maybe did some Googling for about a whole two minutes. And then that's when it, like, clicked in my brain to cover Taylor's story. Right. Um, I was already friends with his mom on Facebook. And I, I knew so many people that he fought alongside with in Afghanistan mm-hmm. so I kind of felt connected to him somewhat and so we're just gonna plunge right in right um wasn't your brother in the military with him yeah I don't know if we mentioned that no but we didn't actually I, I know yeah, that. so yeah. My, my brother 
fought was um, deployed to Afghanistan with Taylor Williams. So, so so we 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 sort of have a connection to this one, which is different than any other one for us. Yeah, yeah. and um, so a little bit of background of Taylor. Um, so from the day he was born on November 6, 1989. Oh, it was about six months before I was born. Yeah, he was our age. Um, his mom, Nicole, knew um, that he was just like a natural born warrior. And growing up, he excelled in everything he did. He began playing football at age five Aww. and was a tough little boy. I'm just imagining like a little five-year-old in a full, yeah. full get-up. And so he was a pretty versatile player, um, being able to play any position on the field. And he was also uh, very dedicated, <laughs> which was proven um, when he wanted to ignore a broken growth plate in his ankle and continued to play the game. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So um, he also mastered the game of baseball um, and was considered to be incredibly um, athletic, uh, especially since he was left-handed and he had the ability to pitch and hit with either side. Oh, wow. So he had kind of an advantage. Switch hitter and switch pitcher, really. That's right. impressive. Yeah, it is. Um, so when Taylor was a young boy, his mom was a nursing student. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Cause you know, I, I have kids. And it's hard. It is hard. I, I wasn't in school, but I was studying for the, the CPA. CPA. Yeah, yeah. CPA exam with a two year old. So, so I get it. Yeah. Keep going. Girl. Shout out to working moms. <laughs> and so Taylor was always fascinated with his mother's studies and, his mom just knew he was destined for the medical field. That's really sweet. And he learned so quickly, and he understood, you know, what she was studying. Mm-hmm. And he was a natural-born public servant. And at the time of his death, Taylor was actually working to further his medical career in the civilian world. Aww. His ultimate dream was to become a medical doctor. And... I think it was prior to him going to the military that he attended school to become a firefighter um, slash EMT. So shortly after becoming a volunteer, he earned the State of Connecticut Heroism Award um, That's really for, awesome. for courageously running into a fully involved building and rescuing a man from the second floor and performing CPR. Oh, so, my, yeah. Like a like a burning, fully like fully involved engulfed in, like, engulfed. Oh, yeah, okay. So. Sorry, I'm <laughs> fire talking. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this was the first of like many selfless acts in his abbreviated lifetime, and oh, he had the he had all the knowledge and experience during his combat medic deployment. Um. So since I know a lot of Taylor's battle buddies personally, mm-hmm. I did a little post on Facebook Mm -hmm. to see what his peers would say about him. Oh, I I saw this. And And I was reading every single one of them. And some words that were used to describe Taylor were brave, eager, selfless, brotherly, honorable, dedicated, and a hero. Stop. I'm going to (laughs) cry. That's super sweet. So one of um, his army brothers shared a story with me, and I've known this army brother in particular for a while now. And so I want to share a little story with y'all. And so his name is um, Sergeant Coulomb. His name is also Taylor, so I didn't want to oh, refer okay. to him as Taylor. So, um, so Sergeant Coulomb says there was a no- a local gnat bleeding out. And for those of you who don't know what that means, because I had to ask my brother too. I was about to ask you. Um, it just means local national. Somebody okay. who, like like lives there. Like a 
like an innocent bystander kind of. Like they're in Afghanistan. It's yes. like an Afghani person. Yes. Okay. And so there was bullets singing everywhere and Taylor Williams said, Cool y'all let me out. <laughs> and he said, No man, I ain't letting you get hurt over a local gnat. And so then Taylor Williams then used the back door switch and ran straight to the wounded with no hesitation. So in the middle of Bullets. Bullets. Yeah. Oh my God. And I just hope this kind of helps our listeners understand what kind of guy he was. And it yeah. was evident that he had a big heart. Yeah. So once Taylor returned home from his second tour to Afghanistan, he was beginning to adjust to civilian life, mm-hmm. um, although he was battling post-traumatic stress disorder, which... I feel like that's really common. It is, and it's and so it's, sad. And there's... I feel like there's such a stigma about it. Like, people are ashamed to admit it. Well, and men- mental disorders in general. In general, right. And you know? I hope in our lifetime, you know, we will see that the stigma about mental, mental illness in general get or go away. Like, yeah. Like, you know, nine, nine out of ten people that you know are probably on some type of medication for, mm-hmm. for mental illness. It's just people don't talk about it. But, but by not talking about it, it makes it, makes it this, this... So much worse. Like, this this big, like, elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just... I don't know. It's, anyway, so, it's really sad. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox on that because <laughs> that bothers me. But So, um, even while working through his own PTSD, he always remained available to his um, fellow battles no matter what what if it was day night no matter what he was there and taylor's mom actually informed me that many of his friends that struggled with ptsd told her how taylor was always there to talk or help or do whatever was needed when one was down Mm -hmm. so although taylor was there for others when they needed it he was battling with his own issues and that says a lot about who he was as a person like you know like he he might have been going through stuff, but he, he was, you know, because a lot of people, when they have too much of their own stuff going on, mm-hmm. they're not going to be willing to help somebody else. Right. So Taylor and his girlfriend, Ashley Eason, dated for two years, although their relationship was not a healthy one. Mm. Um, Ashley was the type of girlfriend, <laughs> this makes me so mad, um, who quote unquote played games. Mm. Um, she would go out for dinner with her male boss at 10 p.m. Just the two of them. Who does that? She would let other men take her to the movies and intentionally leave the ticket stub on the nightstand for Taylor to see. Oh, no, ma'am. No. That is... That... Disrespectful? How, how old was this girl? Do you know um, how old I she was? I want to say... She was like... I want to say she was 18 when Taylor died. So she was like 16? I guess. I don't know. She was really immature. Clearly. Um, who does that? Mm-mm. If I would do that to my... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. And so she would also put Taylor in situations that would result in him getting into a physical altercation, which you guys are going to... What is wrong with this girl? Relate. I hope, she, I hope she listens to this. Girl, go get you some help. Yeah. And so she would tell Taylor that other men were hitting on her and making her feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable, which infuriated him, mm-hmm. rightfully so. Right. And but, I mean, honestly, how true was that? She was probably just doing it to try to get a rise yeah, out of him. Yeah, it could have been true or false, but <sighs> the, the fact that she did it is yeah, what's yeah. messed up. So, no, 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 ma'am. Mm-mm. So, Ashley also had a tendency to make accusations of her boyfriends raping her and putting hands on her. She accused her... Y- y'all cannot see my face right now, but 
my eyes are about to pop out of my head from rolling them. And look, I am not, I am not trying to, to you know, to, to discount the Me Too movement or any of that, but I feel like there are some women out there who, who oh, cry, who yeah. do, who cry rape when they don't get their way. Yeah. Or, or just for the attention. And, so and I'm not saying that that's what she was doing, but it, from everything else, yeah. like, it, as a whole, it, it kind of sounds like that. Yeah. I don't know. Like, all of her games that she played. Right. I yeah. don't know. So, she accused know. her previous boyfriend and the boyfriend after Taylor of doing these things. Um, okay, but when it's a pat, that's a pattern. Like, that's... Like, are you that much of a victim to for it to keep right. happening to you? Yeah. I, I mean, and that could happen, I guess. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> You're but, right, it could. But um, that just seems kind of sketchy that... She's with all that other BS, yeah. So it's unknown if she ever made these accusations about Taylor, but after the details of his death, one can only wonder if she made him up to be a monster leading up to the night he died. Probably to make herself feel better. Yeah, so she was constantly moving in and out of Taylor's house. That's... <laughs> At one point when she was living with him, she refused to pay rent because the house wasn't in her name. I don't care. You live in there. And Mm-mm. so Taylor went and had his home no. refinanced no. and added Ashley's name to the deed. Oh, no. Only to have her move out two weeks later. No. Look, I'm going to be real with y'all right now. My husband and I were not married when we bought our house. So the house is in my name. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we've never went and changed it. It's still just in my I mean, we've been married for what five years now but yeah. it's still just in my name but and he pays rent <laughs> like yeah, yeah like, like we right we i mean we we split the bills basically and i don't i just i feel so bad that she manipulated taylor like that like i said i i and i'm just gonna make a make a disclaimer right now none of my comments are meant to be negative about taylor at all I'm right. not trying to victim blame. When I make these comments, like no, it's like that she manipulated him You'll into do that. Some crazy things for love. That's all. I'm exactly. Say. And uh, I do not like this girl. And we're like 15 minutes in, and I don't like this girl. So after another time, she moved out. She had her parents come with a moving truck and take everything. She even took the stuff that Taylor's mom had purchased two weeks prior. I'm out on that. No. No, this girl has no home training. No, no, and clearly her parents are just as bad. So right. her grandparents didn't raise their yeah. parents right either. So Ashley had access to Taylor's bank oh, account. Goodness, she would transfer money from his account to her account all the time. On top of not wanting to pay rent, this freeloading little—you are not a trophy wife. No, <laughs> who does she think she is? Right, and after this incident, Taylor's mother flew down from Connecticut mm-hmm. because. Taylor tried to take his own life after no. she left him, which we will discuss here in a minute. Oh, um, no. After this incident, he went to stay with his mother for a few months mm-hmm. back in Connecticut. And upon returning to his home in Georgia, Ashley had weaseled her way right back into his life. Weasel is the correct term. Yes. This girl. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm like hot. <laughs> I, I am hot, y'all. Like, what? <laughs> so it turns out that during his brief stay in Connecticut... Um, she had been messaging him. Okay, this reminds me of somebody that I know, and I already know Amanda knows who I'm talking about. 
it can be that could apply to several people <laughs> considering the little break we just had. So this is true. <laughs> um, so Ashley convinces Taylor to change the beneficiary on his life insurance policy from his mother to her. Excuse me. What? Crazy things for love. Okay? Yeah. Um, no. And like I said, this girl. She's not an idiot. I hundred percent blame her. She's not an idiot. Let yeah, I hundred percent blame her. Blame her, not not Taylor. Because um, I mean, I don't know. She might. She must she, have been really convincing. And manipulative, like right. that personality type, manipulative. Right. Yeah. Ugh. So once, if I ever run across this girl, man, I'm gonna <laughs> drop her on sight. I know. Like, drop her on sight. So once he made the changes to his life insurance policy. Oh, she, don't tell me. She moved out again, didn't yes, she? Yes, she did. Oh, this girl. Once again, she moved out. This girl. So after the constant emotional roller coaster that she put Taylor through, um, his life would soon come to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's safe to say that he and Ashley had an extremely tumultuous relationship. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. This, this girl uh, is cuckoo crazy. And I just can't think how she lives with herself, but I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> So on September 20th, 2015, police officers respond to a Fairfield Inn in reference to a call for service regarding a suicide threat. Oh, no. Upon arriving on the scene, officers learned that Taylor was not inside of his hotel room. And after making contact with Taylor on his cell phone, police then learned that he was sitting in front of a pawn shop that was in the area. Hmm. Um, upon making contact, Taylor complied with the authorities, and Mm -hmm. a firearm was located on the concrete next to where he was sitting, Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't loaded, and the police did collect it. Okay. Um, Taylor informed authorities that he suffered from PTSD as a result of prior military service, and that he was having work issues, and his girlfriend recently broke up with him, so (laughs) once again. Right. Um, he also advised the police that he consumed alcohol that night and he wanted law enforcement to kill him. No. I know. Like, so sad. Suicide via cop. Yeah. yeah. No. So. Poor thing. So, Taylor. Like, that, that makes me so sad. I know. Like, I can't, I can't like, imagine feeling that low that, that you just don't want to be alive anymore. Like, right. that makes me really sad. Like, oh, like all of this stuff. Poor he, thing. He, like, risked his life downrange. Right, to like, come home acro- and like, like overseas, this. yeah, serve for the country. To, and I feel like that happens a lot. Like, I don't know, we've got to do better for our veterans, like, somehow. Yeah, and first responders as well. Their yeah. suicide rate is ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Um, so Taylor was transported to Camden Medical Center for mm-hmm. evaluation, and they also found a suicide mm-hmm. note that he wrote on the hotel notepad no. that read, quote, family... Please don't hurt for me. I'm no longer in pain. I can't continue to hurt everyone I love. I'm with God now. Be happy for I'll see you again when you get here too. I've always done more harm than good. I do love y'all. I just can't continue on like this. Every night is another nightmare. Every day, more heartache. Be happy I'm not in pain anymore. I love y'all. I'll see you again one day. End quote. That is possibly the saddest thing I have ever read especially knowing his 
knowing somewhat of, of his story. And, and in all of the documents that were sent to me, it was a copy of the actual note on the Fairfield Inn notepad. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, it was tough. So a few days later, law enforcement was able to obtain copies of his text messages that were sent to Ashley the night um, of his suicide threat, Mm -hmm. and those messages read, quote, I'm fully loaded again, Mm -hmm. and tell the police they have to shoot me or I'll shoot, and I want to die, end quote. Mm -hmm. Okay, but my question is, for Ashley, you're receiving these kinds of text messages. Did, did like I just would be curious, like what did she do about that? Yeah, like it wasn't any of the documents yeah. I saw, but because like I mean, if I'm receiving those kind of text messages, I'm like in my car, like trying to like find this person. Like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Yeah. But you know, she's a trash bag human though. So. Right. So, and let me just say, if your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, whatever you label that person in your life to mm-hmm. be, whatever, like if. If they make you feel like you're not good enough to be alive, then exactly. that relationship is not worth it. Like, exactly. you deserve so much better. Exactly. But, you know... Especially after the big heart he had. Like, right. But a lot of times, that's the thing with, like, mental illness. It's like, you, you, you could... convince yourself. Right. And, like, you could... Realistically, you could know that, but you just... You can't. Your brain's Except not working it. right. Like, yeah, you, you know... So after police spoke to Ashley, she stated that she believed Taylor would not hurt law enforcement, but he wanted law enforcement to kill him. And because of this incident, Taylor was arrested on September 22nd, 2015 for making terroristic threats to the police. What? Yeah. I mean... Two days late. So two days later. Yeah. Uh, probably after he got released from the hospital or whatever, because hmm. um, he was under evaluation. But so a little less than a year later, on August first, twenty sixteen, Ashley went to Bennett Chrysler to try and change a financing paperwork and remove Taylor's name from the vehicle loan. Mm-hmm. And according to Taylor, Ashley called Taylor to the dealership in order for him to sign paperwork. I don't feel like that's how it works. Yeah, so... Maybe I'm wrong. Once again, you know, pretty much enticing him. Her being manipulative. Yeah, so... The word I want to use, I can't use because this is a family-friendly podcast. (laughs) Yeah, about murder. (laughs) (laughs) About murder. So when Taylor got there, he and Ashley had a verbal argument, Mm -hmm. which resulted in Ashley calling the police. Mm. And claims were made that... Um, Taylor assaulted an employee at the dealership. However, there was no evidence and no charges were filed, so it was only speculation. Yeah, and I feel like if he assaulted an employee, he there, there definitely would have been charges. Right. I mean, maybe not, but that's kind of how it feels. So now we're going to talk about the events that led to the tra- tragic death of Taylor Williams. Mm. Um, I'm not ready for this. No, me neither, and I've been typing this for weeks. So the evening of August 13th, 2016, Taylor received a call from his friend Ashley Reardon. And oh, yeah, different. A different a, Ashley. There are like many duplicate names in this. Yeah, in this so, story. yeah. So, okay, so Ashley, friend. Friend Ashley. Not ex girlfriend. So, friend okay. Ashley okay. worked as a bartender at Bottoms Up Saloon, and she informed Taylor that his ex girlfriend Ashley Eason mm-hmm. was at the bar drinking with two other men. That should have never happened, but... I wasn't going to say that, but I'll yeah. I'll continue. I agree. So... That's just stirring the pot. Yeah. Um, like, what, what what 
Anyway, what good was that going to do? Especially because it's his ex-girlfriend. Right. And I'm the kind of person, when I break up with somebody, don't tell me what they're doing. I don't want to know. Yeah. Like, I, I really, we broke it's up. Like, I'm trying to move on. Like, yeah. don't, don't. So. And it, they, it's in the tumultuous relationship yeah. they had, it was like, it did no good. Obviously, because of the outcome. Right. So, yeah, I kind of blame her. But we'll continue on. Um... The other men who were later identified as Andrew Peacock and Troy Grundorf were also present with Ashley's roommate, Lauren Peters. After hearing the news, Taylor arrived at the bar and had a brief altercation with Troy Grundorf, which turned physical. Taylor punched Troy in the face, and witnesses at the bar that night stated Taylor appeared to be unprovoked, other than he may have been jealous that his ex-girlfriend was seen with another guy. Um, the fight was dispersed and Taylor was escorted from the bar and he left the area in his company truck. Okay. Taylor met up with his roommate back at their residence after his roommate Joshua Carroll had left a party and Taylor informed Josh that he needed to fuel up his work truck and Joshua decided to ride along because he wanted to grab a bite to eat. So at 1.34 a.m. on August 14th, mm-hmm. Okay, look, nothing good happens after midnight, so. <laughs> so Taylor and Josh stopped at the Flash Foods gas station to get fuel. And just for reference, the gas station is located at 790 East King Boulevard in Kingsland, Georgia. And that gas station was located approximately 1,056 feet from yeah. Ashley Eason's apartment. And more importantly, the crime scene. So do we think he got gas at that gas station intentionally? Like, was it out of his way? Do we know? Uh, he had stuff on his mind. Yeah, okay. Um, so once Taylor was done getting fuel, he got back into his work truck and told Josh that he wanted to ride by Ashley's house to see if they had made it back from the bar yet. And mm-hmm. so Taylor drove toward... 406 South Grove Boulevard, the address where Ashley Eason was living. You mean after the 60,000th time that she moved out of Taylor's? Right. Um, I'm sorry. I really don't like this girl. Same, same, same. So after arriving in the area of her residence, Taylor then set off Ashley's car alarm to her black Jeep Patriot that was in the driveway. He did She drove a Jeep Patriot? That, Ironically, yeah, she drove a mm. that I, that was in somebody else. Well, it was in both their names, so. Yeah. Hmm. But that's I don't know why that struck me. Yeah. Really. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Um. So he did so with the extra key fob that he uh, was in possession of. I was wondering. Okay. So he continued driving south on that road, where he then executed a U-turn and began driving north. So as the the Jeep alarm was engaged, according to witness statements, Ashley and her roommate, Lauren, and Lauren's boyfriend, Andrew, exit the apartment to investigate the alarm. Right, as normal people would do. So according to recorded statement by Troy Grundorf, he was the last individual to exit the residence. And Ashley reported in her written statement to the police that she initially exited the residence to investigate the car alarm and then returned to the interior of the residence to retrieve her keys to stop the car alarm. So she came out and Mm -hmm. she went back in. Um, 
She then returned outside, at which time she looked across the street and headlights came on. Mm. So there was like a little park across the street. Um, And Lauren reported that as she and Ashley walked to the end of the driveway and towards South Grove Boulevard, they observed Taylor's work truck parked near Kingsland Lion Park. And in her written statement, Lauren stated that Ashley had told her, quote, that's Taylor's truck, end quote. Immediately following that comment, Lauren stated that Andrew removed his shirt and glasses, then placed them on the trunk of Troy Grundorf's vehicle. Why? 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 Unnecessary. N- n- keep your shirt on. Like, no, oh, that's just unnecessary. Like, he was sitting in his truck. Like, what? What? Yeah. It's not like he was coming at them. Yeah, I know. At that it's, point, like, he... That was just completely unnecessary and, and provoking. Yes, exactly. And we'll, we'll touch on that more. But, um, so Josh, however, contradicted Ashley and Lauren's statements. And according to him, he and Taylor, while in the vehicle, were traveling northbound on South Grove Boulevard when Ashley, Andrew, and, and Lauren, I'm sorry, Ashley, Andrew, and Lauren were standing near the road as they passed the residence. And... Mm. Taylor stopped his vehicle near the intersection of South Grove and the driveway leading to her apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor exited the vehicle and proceeded to confront Andrew. Investigators believe that by Andrew taking off his shirt and glasses, that he established a fighting posture and was That's what I said. presumably making gestures as a sign of baiting Taylor into an altercation, which Rude. goes Just back like to Ashley. Remember I said, like, Ashley had a history of, like... Baiting people yes. into physical order. Yes. What? Like, how... Is, what is she, like... Uh, like, I don't even... I can't even form... Like, what is she, like, a wizard? Or, like, a witch that's, like, like controlling all these people? Yeah, like, enchanting them and, like, to... I don't know, that sounds crazy, but, like... Yeah, this like, is crazy, yeah. So... Upon Taylor making contact with Andrew, the two began to wrestle slash fight. Um, in Lauren's written statement, she states, quote, Taylor comes running out of the truck and him and Andrew start wrestling or fighting. Andrew put Taylor in a headlock after flipping him over his body, end quote. Mm. So based on the blood patterns and spatter on the scene, along with the blood located on Andrew's forearm, Taylor had wrestled Andrew face down on the ground. During the altercation, Andrew, by his own admission, yelled for Troy to help in fighting Taylor. Look, if you're a real man, you don't need help. (laughs) Sorry. So, Troy exited the residence with a sharp-edged weapon, later discovered to be a knife with an overall weight in excess of 300 millimeters. Okay, no. Why are you bringing a knife to a wrestling fight? So if you guys... That's unnecessary. We'll, we'll it, but the, the, the size of this weapon was just absurd. It is. It's, it's, the it's, fact that he brought a weapon is absurd. Yeah, but, but in the size of it, that thing is like huge. In in the pictures, it looks like it's longer than a, a 12-inch ruler. It's, yeah, it's like not your normal like a steak knife. Like it's huge. It's huge. This knife is absurd. So Troy then allegedly began stabbing Taylor in the back area. Oh my God. This indicates that Taylor was on top of Andrew mm-hmm. at the time of the altercation. Taylor was stabbed a total of 12 times. Excuse me. 12. In the back? In the back. 
So imagine him standing over yeah. Andrew wrestling him, and then somebody out of nowhere just starts stabbing him with a over, knife that over is... a wrestling match. This is this dude is psycho. Which, yeah. Oh my goodness. So after seeing the altercation and Troy assisting, assisting, and, yeah, assisting Andrew with fighting Taylor. That's not even a fight at that point. No. So Josh exits Taylor's truck because right. I think it just happened so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can. So I can. Josh I can exited Taylor's that. truck and rushed to assist his friend. And once Josh arrives, he placed Troy in hold of what Josh and Troy would refer to as a rear naked choke. Wait, a rear naked? Choke? I don't know. If that's don't, like a wrestling thing. I, I don't know. Which, if it is, hello, it was a wrestling match. It was not a <laughs> nobody stabbing match. Yeah. So, and he pulled Troy off of Taylor, and soon thereafter, Troy began stabbing oh, Josh a total that is of just 11 times. Unnecessary. Like, what is wrong with him? In Ashley's written statement, she advised that she had re entered her home to retrieve her cell phone to call the police, and when she returned to the driveway, she observed Troy with a knife and, quote, Taylor laying on the ground with blood all over him, end quote. Oh, how convenient that she missed what happened. Yeah. So after being stabbed multiple times, Josh yelled for Taylor and told him they needed to leave the area. And Mm -hmm. Josh rushed in an easterly direction towards Taylor's vehicle. And Taylor followed him, but he collapsed in a grassy area. He was, that was crazy that he was even able to get up Mm -hmm. to begin with. Oh. So, and this was corroborated by blood spatter Mm -hmm. evidence at the crime scene. So, once Taylor collapsed, Josh got into the work truck and drove away from the scene at 1.52 a.m. Hold up. What was that other time? At 1.34 is when he... At the Flash Foods, I think. When he got gas. Oh, my goodness. Talk about escalating quickly. Mm -hmm. And so... Once that's not even twenty minutes, and that's from the time that he put gas. Yeah, I think oh, I think he heck. got the receipt at that time. So, oh um, my goodness! And so, so Josh took the truck, mm-hmm. and he located a police officer conducting a traffic stop approximately two miles away, where he reported the stabbing incident. He arrived on the traffic stop at one fifty-six a.m., so four minutes from the time he left. After noticing Taylor collapse, Andrew and Lauren begin administering first aid. Um, I have to commend Andrew for trying to aid Taylor. He, mm-hmm. you know, he he instantly went into survival mode. Um, he, by the way, I didn't mention this. He, Taylor, and um, Troy were all in the military. So all three of them. All three of them. Wow. Um, I don't believe Taylor was in the same unit because Taylor was deployed with my brother here in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and um, there was actually drill weekend. For Andrew and Troy, Troy lived in North Georgia. Andrew was from that area, and it was actually Troy's last drill weekend. He it was his last time he was getting out of the military. Wow. Um, Andrew then screamed for Ashley to call nine one one, and the call was placed at the same time Josh left in Taylor's work truck. Do do we have the nine one one? Yes. So oh, goodness, it's. Not that long of a a clip, um, but we're going to play that now. Jim County 911, 
25 years old you y'all dated for two years and you don't know how old he is and you said he was born in 1996 i think she was born in 96 quite honestly how do you oh this girl and then the lady's like oh how did he get injured i don't know he was stabbed 
Okay, well, clearly you know. And when they first answer the phone, she says, I was attacked, which is not true. She personally was never attacked. Wow, I didn't even catch that. I know you've probably listened to this numerous times. This and is I, like this is my expertise. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, and so then, if anyone is familiar with dialing nine one one, we get your address mm-hmm. and we send officers. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. Any questions after that is lanyap, which. Mm-hmm. If anybody doesn't know what that means, it just means a little something extra here mm-hmm. down in New Orleans, and that is just what we are, extra. <laughs> so we need to start calling ourselves Lanya. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, all those additional questions was for the officers. That was for their own safety. To know what they're coming up on. Yeah, so they're coming. They're rolling. Lights yeah. and sirens. They're coming. Right. Everybody's on the way. Especially but, when you're saying, hey, but guess what? somebody was attacked. They can listen while they drive. And so all that other... Other information is just additional updates Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. while they're on the way there. Right. And. Okay, that dispatcher was like super calm and super chill. I mean, I know you have to be. It's like, you don't even think about it. It just, that's just how it happens. I can't imagine you being the dispatcher, but I know you did it for years. I know, because I'm so like, what's it called? Like short. Yeah. Like kind of short fuse. Mm -hmm. Like people call and start cursing you out. And it's like, but if you notice, Ashley did get snippy. She's like, okay, what do you need to know? Right. Like, that doesn't help the situation at all. So right. just comply, listen. They're, re- they're asking these questions for a yes. reason. And you would not believe how many people call and say, why are you asking all these questions? Well, it helps. It does. So, <sighs> I still do not like her. Yeah. So there's a span of time um, in which the whereabouts and actions of Troy Grundorf are unaccounted for. Excuse me. But, <laughs> however... Troy reportedly re-entered the house by his own admission, and why would he need to go back in the house? Dun dun dun. Sorry, we're gonna get there. I'm jumping the gun. Yeah, so I'm like on the edge of my seat. Yeah, because like, it makes me mad. So uh-huh. um, it's suspected that he cut himself with the knife that was used to fatally wound Taylor. Stop it! What was he trying to make it look like it was a fair fight? Like he got. Mm. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, this dude is an idiot. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't. He's an idiot. Because if you were the only one with a knife, Taylor didn't have a knife. The person you're fighting, Taylor, didn't have a knife. Mm-hmm. So he cut himself to okay. make it look I, like he I got hurt? Yeah. So. You idiot. I'm sorry. I've said that too many times. So it's suspected that he, you know, cut himself with the knife that. He used to cut to mm-hmm. murder Taylor with, and then he proceeded to the rear yard of Ashley's residence and discarded the knife over the rear fence into the neighbor's yard. That's not sketchy at all. And so there's a police diagram with um, photos of this, the crime scene mm-hmm. that reflects the blood trail from the entry door into the kitchen and then into the bathroom, as well as the rear porch of the residence. So... None of the witnesses could identify when Troy was injured during the altercation. Um, because he wasn't. Because he did it to himself. Right. And I'm going on record. He <laughs> cut himself because he's a psycho. And after review of the body cam footage, um, the on-scene officers believed Troy cut himself in the head slash scalp. Wait, this dude cut himself in the head? Are you going to tell you? He is a psycho. It was a large laceration to oh. his own skull. Cranium, like, can you send it to me so I can look at it? Yeah, I will. Okay. And then, um, wait, I just got it. 
Oh my god. It's this bad. guy. It's so bad. Why would what kind of psycho cuts mm. Yeah, and then hmm, he and. did so to make it appear as self-defense. I'm sorry. You stabbed someone in the back twelve times. Was it twelve? It was twelve for one and eleven for Josh. Oh, twelve times? That is not self-defense. That's no. manslaughter. That is manslaughter. At, at the very least, that is manslaughter. Yeah. So Additional information indicates that at the direction of Ashley, Andrew was calling Taylor up to two weeks prior to the incident, threatening to, quote, kick his ass, end quote, for what he had done to Ashley. However, during Andrew's police interview, he denied ever knowing Taylor. Of course he would. So... It's important to note that Ashley and Taylor's relationship had ended weeks prior to mm-hmm. the altercation, and okay. it appeared Ashley was delighted in provoking Taylor into at least a verbal altercation many times, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. And what kind of person are you? A trash bag human being. Yes. Like I've already said that. And if somehow if this gets to her, I really don't care. You are a trash bag human, Ashley Eason. <laughs> You heard that, girl? And so Ashley reportedly advised numerous individuals that she had a restraining order on Taylor. However, there's no evidence to support that there was actually such an order in place. Which would easily... Yeah. It would have been easily... Their receipts would be very, very easy. Yes, very much so. And so now we're going to discuss the investigation of this case. Um... It was a lot of information to sort through, but it was most like most definitely necessary to review Mm -hmm. to make this episode everything that it is. And Mm -hmm. yeah, Amanda did all the research. (laughs) Usually, I do the research, but on this one, this was Amanda's baby, so it really was my baby. Y'all, I had trouble letting it go. Yeah, she would text me and be like, "Oh, I don't want to tell you too much because I want your genuine reactions." But this is nuts. Like this is. This is so, or this is so sad, or I can't believe this is, like, I can't wait to tell you, like, yeah, you're gonna... it needs to all unfold, and this is right. my icebreaker episode, so. So, first I want to talk about what I watched while reviewing the body cam footage. Um, the first video file I watched was the body cam footage of Officer Stephen Cloud, and once Officer Cloud arrives on scene and exits his patrol unit... I observed the panic and chaos that had happened, and that was still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see paramedics administering CPR oh, on Taylor Williams in the front lawn, mm. and I could see Ashley Eason crying in the fetal position a few feet away from him. Was she trying to get an Oscar? Probably. Um, I saw Andrew Peacock and Troy Grundorf, yeah, Grundorf, <laughs> next to one another, walking several yards away from where they were working on Taylor. Wait, um, holding they, on, onto one another. Like, they allow they're allowed to do that. I thought you're supposed to separate from what you told me, like in, in your like you know police yeah. career. Like, mm-hmm. aren't you supposed to separate mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. suspects? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> and they allowed them to just to talk to each other. And then... Yeah, inside of the crime scene at that, but we'll get to that. Oh. Um, Taylor was quickly loaded onto a stretcher and transported to Camden Medical Center. And Officer Cloud then checks on everyone on scene, and it was shortly discovered that Troy Grundorf was wounded. Quote, quote. Quote, air unquote. Air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. He was... Oh, let me roll my eyes. Yeah, he was laying on the ground with the most blank gaze on his face. And at one point, he appeared to be dead. At, at least to me. Mm, God. 
So Officer Cloud then hollered over to paramedics and firefighters that he had another one that was unconscious. Within seconds... Talking about Troy. Yes. Because I guess... Yeah, Taylor. Taylor, yeah. And so... Within seconds, Troy begins to eerily laugh at what I could or would compare to the Joker's laugh. And um, what? It was the most bizarre thing that I've ever heard, and I am going to play it. Oh, no. I'm not ready. You ready? No, I'm not. That's him laughing? Mm-hmm. Now, what is wrong with him? Let me paint the picture for you guys. He's laying on the ground. He has that... Wasn't he, like, rolling around He was, and they kept telling him to be still. He was about... um, So the the cut on his head was probably a good six or seven inches, like, across the top, Mm -hmm. almost like a crown. And the blood was just dripping down his face. Imagine, like, the worst horror, like scene from a movie like it so was just on top of him laughing there's so just and then prior to him laughing he was laying there with his eyes wide open with blood on his face oh god he looked dead i'm gonna have nightmares and then me. just a click up flip of a switch he starts laughing like that something's wrong with him so i don't know if his reaction was from adrenaline or loss of blood or if he wanted first responders to think he was truly insane to have him during the course of the well that works because i think he's crazy like lock him up in a mental facility now yeah i don't have any idea like what his you know why he reacted that way Mm -hmm. but he was losing it and it was quite disturbing uh yeah i'd I'd have to say so i I looked i watched it too just now that's mm -mm. so first responders then begin to tend to his injuries and Mm -hmm. He's then transported to Shan's Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida. Are they close to Jacksonville? I think it was about 30 minutes when I okay. checked the Google map. It wasn't, like, really far. Because when you think Georgia, I, think, I don't think that side of Georgia. But right. it's pretty east. But um, after Officer Cloud secured the scene, which, air quotes, secured the scene because it was truly never secured, in my opinion, he started questioning everyone else to figure out what led up to the tragic event. And before I jump into that, I want to go over everyone's injuries or Mm -hmm. lack thereof. So Taylor Williams had been stabbed 12 times. Mm -hmm. Troy Grundorf has a deep and long laceration to the top of his head, as well as a laceration on his lower back. So deep Mm -hmm. that it was extremely close to his spine. Did he stab himself in the back too? I don't know if it was a stab. It was more like a slice. Oh, okay. From what I saw. Ashley Eason had zero injuries, and her roommate, Lauren, had no injuries as well. However, she was covered in blood, including her face, from giving from Taylor giving mouth, mouth. rescue okay. breaths. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what it's officially called? I think so, from the American Heart Association. So, Josh Carroll, like Taylor Williams, had... A lot of cuts and stab wounds, mainly to his extremities and a few on his torso. He ended up having 11 lacerations. So there were a total of 
23 stab wounds between the two of them in in a, a sh- like and when, within seconds yeah well and then i guess two to troy but i feel like he those did are that himself. false <laughs> fake news fraud <laughs> those are fraud injuries fraud injuries <laughs> so andrew also states that he believed troy snapped with his ptsd which is why he reacted the way that he did and went overboard when trying to to defend his friend. That's mm. about 10 minutes into the first body cam video that I watched. The officer asked Andrew where the weapon was and he responded with, quote, I would ask them to go look in that house. I promise you it's somewhere in there, end quote. The officer begins to walk off and Andrew then says, quote, hey, sir, Unquote. The officer starts walking back to Andrew, and Andrew then says, quote, he's smart, end quote. Officer Cloud asks, quote, who's smart, end quote. And Andrew says, quote, the guy laying on the ground over there, he's smart, end quote. Hmm. Andrew then clues the officer in to check the inside of the house or the backyard for the weapon, Later on, during the body cam footage, the officer is checking Andrew for any injuries and says, quote, that other guy got stabbed up pretty badly too, end quote. Andrew looks up with the most mischievous smirk on his face, which results the officer in asking, quote, did he do that to himself? End quote. Again, he has this dead giveaway look on his face and replies, quote, I'm not saying he did or not. End quote. Oh. Which, from the looks of it, he means that he absolutely did it to himself. Oh my goodness. And after an hour and a half into the body cam footage from Officer Cloud, he speaks with Detective Oligood, who states that he ran into Taylor the Sunday prior to his murder in Walmart. And Taylor thanked the detective, stating he saved his life by helping him go to rehab for his PTSD and suicidal feelings. Wait, so he knew him? Was he from the cop? So, suicide by cop? Turns out Detective Oligood responded to the oh. Fairfield Inn incident. Oh my goodness. And Taylor was thanking him oh. for, you know, helping him get through that's, it. That's so heartbreaking. As a police but, officer, right. I would imagine that's difficult. And so, now we're going to talk about Andrew Peacock's interview. Um... In his interview, he describes Troy as acting eerie and... That's a direct quote. Like, he said eerie. Eerie, and at one point was acting like the Joker. He said that? Yes. Oh, my God. That's the exact... That's exactly what I texted you when I saw it. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Um, Andrew also stated that he never saw a knife, but he speculated that Troy stabbed Taylor from the apparent injuries. Because Taylor... No, not Taylor. Because Andrew was holding his wounds Um. after he got injured. And Andrew also states that he speculated Troy stabbed his own self to make it look like self-defense. Now, this is his friend saying that about Mm. him. And during Andrew's interview, he emotionally asks, quote... Is there anything I could have done to save him? End quote. Well, at least he has a heart. Some kind of remorse. Yeah. And next, in Lauren's written statement, she explains, quote, I had Taylor and Andrew on my right fighting and Josh and Grundorf on my left fighting. Next thing I know, Josh and Taylor start running back towards Taylor's truck. Taylor collapses in the grass. Andrew and I run to him. In parentheses, she writes, Taylor. He was bleeding everywhere. 
I didn't think anything was wrong with him at first until everyone started yelling his name and he wasn't responding except for rolling on the ground, end quote. You didn't think anything was wrong when he was bleeding? So I've heard some pretty crazy things as a 911 dispatcher. I've been to an, a live autopsy. I, I don't consider myself to have a weak stomach whatsoever. So at this point in my research process, I had been able to stomach everything I saw, which included body cam videos, crime scene photos, as well as autopsy photos. But the end of her written statement made me sick. Mm. Picturing Taylor being so helpless makes me want to cry and at the same time fills me with rage. Warren also explains how she and Andrew tried to provide basic life support to Taylor. Andrew held his hands over the wounds and Lauren administered Mm. rescue breaths, which was clearly evident from the body cam footage. During Lauren Peters' interview with the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, she describes the fight between Andrew and Taylor as, quote-unquote, innocent wrestling. That's what it started as until the Joker showed up. Oh, he's such a psycho. So now we're going to talk about Troy's statement, written statement. the Joker, this idiot. So... Let me say that after listening to the interviews of everyone involved, Troy sounded completely unsure where, where like when he was being questioned. Um, he was constantly stuttering. It, it made me believe that he was fabricating a story. Right. Um, so Troy states that he saw everyone covered in blood when he walked outside. When he walked outside. When you walked, you're the one who stabbed him. Well, well I'm going to touch on that. Allegedly. He also states that he felt the stab to his head. Next, he jokes about, quote, unless a ninja came up behind me, unquote. Okay, this is not the time to joke. So he says he never saw. He never, like, he never saw. He doesn't know who did it unless a ninja came. Like, like he was downplaying it. You did it. Yeah, I know. You, homeboy. So three minutes into his interview, and he's already throwing around this term self-defense. He Of seen, his own volition, like, he yes. came up with that term. Mm-hmm. He seems wow. like a psychopath at this point. I've been saying even that though he did, yeah, time. he did seem like that in the beginning, and so he denies ever having a knife. He seems very manipulative in his interview, and he says he doesn't want to admit to something he didn't do, and he says he doesn't want to go to prison for saving his friend. You didn't save your friend. You murdered someone his else. His friend was not. There was no in, threat of life. No. Like there was, his life was not. In danger. No. Like, to, to that, not no to that no. extent. Mm-mm. So, the detective then says he believes that exactly what, that's exactly what Troy was doing, that, um, you know, he, he was saving his friend, mm-hmm. but they believed he had something in his hand while doing it, i.e. a knife. <laughs> a, a huge one. Yeah. Troy's response was then, quote, that's illegal, though. You just can't kill somebody because they're attacking somebody. That's still manslaughter, end quote. You said it? Out of your own mouth, dude. Yeah, it is still manslaughter. You should be indicted. Yeah. But let me not jump ahead. So Troy goes on to say that he doesn't remember that part when the detective continues to tell him not to leave info out. And he manipulates the conversation and focuses on the injuries that he sustained. This is not about you. It's not. The injuries that you gave to your own self. <laughs> and the detectives 
then reiterate that they're not in a position to label anyone with guilt or innocence. Mm -hmm. They just want facts. And he says that if his friends say he did it, then he must have done it. But he personally doesn't remember it. How convenient. When the detectives start inquiring about the weapon, he recounts going inside after and then to the back door. Then he starts guessing to detectives if it's in the backyard. Like he, he was like baiting them to get him them to say where it was when he knew where it was. Like, oh, maybe... I want to loop back around to when Troy said he came outside and everyone had blood on them. Yeah. Is this because he had stabbed them, went (gasps) inside, and came back outside and remembered seeing the blood then? Oh, my goodness. Head cannon. Like, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, like, did he black out? Like, he's getting, like, the times mixed up. Like, when he first came outside to when he went back in Mm -hmm. with the knife and and then then came out and that's why everybody was full of blood. Holy mother. That's... Did he black out? Is he mixing everything up? Right. You know, Troy goes on to say that he's never been in a fight outside of the military and that when Taylor struck him in the bar, he didn't even hit him back. But after the bar fight, he had time to think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, was this possibly his chance at retaliation? Right. Troy's ultimate a-hole comment was when he compared killing someone to getting a DWI because it stays with your life. It stays with you your whole life. Um, excuse me. No, maybe if you kill someone and you got a DUI because you killed, like, while killing someone. Oh, yeah. You know, the same crime. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not just a normal I'm, DUI I'm where no one's sure, hurt. I'm pretty sure that if somebody got a DWI or DUI, they wouldn't compare it to murdering somebody because no, it stays with them the whole no. life. Like, like, are you... This dude, I don't, he's on my list with Ashley. (laughs) So there was another interview. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just audio, but it was from Brian Mills, who was Taylor's co-worker. Mm -hmm. And he actually did shed a little bit of light on some stuff that nobody else talked about. Um, He worked with Taylor at DBI, and he advised investigators that after Taylor and Ashley broke up, Taylor told him that he kept getting harassing phone calls from a male Interesting. Taylor ended up disconnecting his personal phone, and then he started receiving calls on his work phone. That's... How did they get the work number? Yeah. She would have had it. Ashley would have had it. And Brian ran into Ashley at Taylor's funeral, and he had a conversation with her, and I just want to shout out his wife, the real MVP. She recorded the conversation. Just for him to, like... Yeah. He said he, just for him to reference back, and he yeah. even offered it to detectives, uh-huh. which it wasn't in my in my files, but, um, uh-huh. you know, savage. Good for her. Yeah. So anyways, Ashley told Brian that it was Andrew <gasps> that had been calling Taylor, <gasps> and that he was posing as a guy named Chris. Wait, 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 wait. Wasn't that, didn't we talk about that earlier, that, like, Andrew had been calling him for two weeks, mm-hmm. but... He didn't. He said he didn't know him. But Andrew said he didn't know him. You lying sack of trash. He also stated that when Taylor would back off and give Ashley her space, it would drive her crazy. Well, she's already crazy. So, like, she'd break up with him. He'd back off and let her move on. Well, no, she wants him to chase her. Yes, exactly. And that's... Playing games. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to switch it up a little bit and go into Joshua's recount. And his is a little different from everybody else's, and I I thought it was imperative to cover, even though it it confuses me, but according to Joshua Carroll, he recalls the night completely different, and Joshua states that Troy was not the person that stabbed him. 
Say what? He believes Andrew did, which is why Andrew didn't have a single scratch or cut on him. Mm. He said Taylor was fighting Troy and not Andrew, and then Andrew got on Taylor's back and stabbed him. But didn't Troy come out after? Like, why would... He says that everybody's... It was like four against one. Mm. Like, the only other person that could have verified his... Um, his witness statement would be Taylor. Mm-hmm. He's not here to do that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, he said Taylor would... Okay, so... Josh then pulls Andrew off of Taylor, and Andrew then stabs Josh. Hmm. And he then states that Andrew went into the house. In Josh's interview with GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations... Mm-hmm. He tells them the same story he told me when I contacted him. And oh, you did? Yes. Oh. And at first I thought, maybe Josh didn't know who was who that night or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe he just didn't know names or right. whatever. But even years later, like when I talked to him, he's still adamant that's what happened. Hmm. And when GBI was questioning him, I think they began to think he had Andrew and Troy mixed up. So, well, it, uh, and according, I mean, it could have, according yeah. to the timestamps, like between him getting gas, not even the altercation started, him getting gas and the nine one one call was not even twenty minutes. I think it was eighteen minutes uh-huh. if I did the math correctly. So it was like one thirty four and like one fifty two. Yeah, so it's eighteen minutes. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not enough time. Like, it all happens so fast. And he didn't know these people prior. Yeah, and I feel like it'd be really easy to get them mixed up because you don't know these people and everything happens so fast. So, GBI, instead of using names, they started using clothing descriptions. Mm -hmm. And when Josh started identifying actions by the clothing descriptions, Mm -hmm. instead of their names, his statement lined up with everyone else's. At least what I gathered. Um, So... Now we're going to talk about the lack of indictment. What? You heard me. No. Yes. This is the part that infuriates me. So, in May of 2017, the grand jury decided not to indict Troy Grundorf on two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Oh, my God. Involuntary? First of all, why was he charged with involuntary manslaughter to begin with? I guess because he was... Stabbing someone in the back 11 times is voluntary. But they everybody's saying that Taylor was the aggressor, so... But I, yeah, let's victim blame here. I, I feel like it was excessive. Yeah. Um, so it, it, two counts of involuntary manslaughter in the stabbing death of Taylor Williams. And prosecutors were seeking to charge Grundorf with one count of felony involuntary manslaughter, one count of misdemeanor involuntary manslaughter, and one count of tampering with evidence. He was only charged with the latter, tampering with evidence. What what penalty does that carry? Do you know? I don't think he did any jail time. He probably got probation, if even that. Jesus. I know that he's a free man today. Let's go find this dude. According to the Tribune and Georgian, Troy was not indicted on other charges referring to Georgia Code 16-5-3A, which states that while committing reckless conduct, Grundorf intervened in a fight with a knife quote, consciously disregarding a substantial and unjustifiable risk that would cause harm or endanger the safety of another person, end quote, and cause William's death without doing so. Oh my goodness. (sighs) Taylor's poor mom. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. My heart breaks for her. This is, ugh. 
Anyways. So there's a lot of problems in this case. Um, Taylor's mom hired a private investigating firm and yes. by the name of Alpha Omega Investigative Group LLC, which mm-hmm. is where I got a lot of my information from. And they conducted their own investigation and maybe got some better answers in the yeah, in the, hopes to the get death of yeah. her son. So next, we will discuss some of the concerns that the private investigators had with the initial investigation. Mm-hmm. So the witnesses were not separated immediately after Taylor's murder. That is a no go. Yeah, we said that. I said that. Yeah. And for what reason did Ashley Reardon call Taylor to tell him his mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend was at the bar? Was she ever questioned? Oh, yeah. Like, we said she shouldn't have never called him, I but called, did they I, ever I, talk I, to did her? Did the blame game with her? Yeah. Um, was something said to Taylor to provoke mm. him into hitting Troy? At the bar? Because I listened yeah. to interviews of, like, the head of security at the bar, and mm-hmm. he knows Taylor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he kicked Taylor out. He's like, you caused a fight. you got to go. But Taylor was a regular there. He... They, the head mm-hmm. of security said he didn't even pay cover charges because he was there all the time. Yeah. Like it, he mm-hmm. was just he was just known. So, um, why did Ashley, Lauren, and Andrew stay outside when they realized Tra- Taylor Trump was in know. the area? Because Ashley wants to provoke a fight. That's literally, I guess that's how she. Yeah, gets, and I don't know. Gets off. I hate to say that. Like, yeah. If he was not looking to provoke a fight with Taylor, who by his statements of police. He already assumed Taylor was the individual who set out the alarm. So why did Andrew Peacock mm-hmm. pull his shirt and glasses off and place them on a parked vehicle after going outside? Yeah, because that's that's very intimidating. Like that you're trying to antagonize. Like, yeah, antagonize somebody. That's the word. <laughs> so during the entire time while at the scene with the officers, Andrew Peacock never mentioned that he was in fear of his life while wrestling with Taylor. He only did so during his second interview, which I think was on the. 19th? It was like five days or six days after mm-hmm. he was first interviewed. And oh, by, so his story's changed. And, and by that time, he admitted that he and Troy had a conversation. So they potentially had corroborated. You're not... Oh. Um, which, which is my next point. Um, it says, during his interview with the police, Andrew Peacock did not mention that he was in fear of his life. It was right. not until an interview conducted on August 19th. There's yeah. the date. Did he mention that he he felt that Troy had saved his life? And he did mention during the interview that he and Troy had briefly spoken about the infant oh incident. With a five-day lapse between mm-hmm. the first and second interviews, Andrew making the statement that Troy is smart, along with discussing the incident with Troy, mm-hmm. could, could mean that they corroborated to get right. their story straight. Yeah. Why um, were witnesses and parties involved allowed by police to spit i.e. andrew seen spit spit, he was seen spitting multiple times in the crime scene on the body cam yes i think he was a dipper Mm. he didn't have a dip but i think it was just a habit but i mean that's a crime scene yeah um he was also allowed to walk through enter the crime scene potentially contaminating evidence oh what um these investigators questioned if it was reasonable action for Troy to exit the residence with a knife, as he never indicated in his interview, that he never feared that Taylor was using deadly force against Andrew. So why come outside with a knife? He started. He stated they were wrestling or just attacking each other. Troy even, after being asked by investigators if he thought someone was killing another person, he stated he did not perceive either party is threatening the life of the other. Sure, let's so let's just come on top with a knife. 
since the altercation was described as more of a wrestling match, was it reasonable for Troy to stab Taylor 12 times and Josh 11 times? No. The number of stab wounds appears to be excessive yes. for self-defense or in defense it, of a third person. And it was in his in the back. That's not self-defense. Right. That's a helpless person. Um, having been involved in an incident with Taylor Williams earlier, it would be a reasonable hypothesis that Troy was angry. Right. Um, with the number of times both Taylor and Josh were stabbed, Troy's mm-hmm. actions could be considered a fit of rage or retaliation, uh, which yeah. I said, yeah. Um, was it reasonable that GBI, Kingsland Police, or authorities in general did not collect DNA evidence off of the murder weapon? Oh my God. Provided implications of multiple. The knife? Yeah. They didn't pull fingerprints or anything? So when I asked Josh, he said that it was never tested. But if you. Test had, it. Who you could easily tell who stabbed. Yeah. Ugh. Who was the you know the aggressor. Yeah, but he hasn't been indicted, so they need to test that. Was all evidence reviewed by Camden County District Attorney to include body police body footage, crime scene photos, inconsistent statements by parties involved, and was all this information included yeah. in the grand jury presentation? Yeah. Was it reasonable for the ADA, mm-hmm. Rocky Bridges, who was involved in a previous PTSD-related case involving <gasps> Taylor Williams and reportedly via Williams' attorney, Joe East, alleged statements made to him by Bridges indicate that oh, wow. he had a biased view of Taylor, which could have prevented him as being assigned as counsel in the grand jury presentation wow. of Williams' death. I, that, wow. that one gets me. Taylor was diagnosed with PTSD, which was a result of multiple combat tours in Afghanistan. The post-traumatic stress disorder affected his daily life Mm -hmm. and contributed to incidents that resulted in police contact prior to the morning of his death. Did the police assume that with his history, he was automatically the aggressor in the incident? Um, that's a good question. This information was mentioned by police officers <gasps> on body cam footage oh at the crime scene. For unknown reason, Tina Williams was provoked in an altercation at the Bottoms Up bar, possibly from something said to him prior to arriving at the bar or by something said while at the bar. But at some point during the night of the incident, Taylor Williams began drinking alcohol, which resulted in his BAC becoming 0.109, just over what is deemed legally intoxicated. I was going to ask that. I think it's 0.08. Yeah. Um, Taylor and his friend Josh drove to purchase gasoline for Taylor's truck, Mm -hmm. which was in the immediate vicinity of Ashley's apartment, and set off a car alarm, which would indicate he wanted to start a disturbance of an immature nature right being told that being told about domestic incidents whether true or not involving taylor by ashley andrew indicated he was going to protect ashley and lauren from taylor if he needed to statements provided by friends and family of taylor indicated that ashley had access to taylor's finances Email accounts, (gasps) social media accounts, and cell phone, which, whether voluntary or by demand by Ms. Eason, likely contributed to the toxicity of the relationship and the situations prior to his death. Based on the review of photographs of the blood evidence scene, and Taylor had Andrew on the ground, Mm -hmm. and Andrew yelled for help, and Troy responded to that call with a knife. That's just excessive. Troy utilized a sharp-edged weapon, engaged excessive deadly force to stop the altercation by stabbing Taylor 12 times, hitting many vital organs in the process. 
which resulted in the death of Taylor Williams and 11 stab wounds inflicted oh. upon Joshua Carroll. Oh, so, my goodness. Some little additional thoughts is Ashley did end up collecting Taylor's life insurance money. She did not. She did. Oh, my After God. Taylor's grieving mother left Georgia to return home after his funeral, Ashley then no. moved back into Taylor's <gasps> house because her name was on it. Oh, my gosh. She only uh, apparently stayed for a year after his death due to pending legal issues. Mm. So what do we think? Huh. I think Troy is guilty. Absolutely. And too. Ashley is... A piece of trash. Yes. <laughs> As you've said before. As I've said multiple times, she's a trash bag so, human. My thing is I, I can only hope that one of these individuals is involved in a crime in the future and to, I guess... Get mercy. Yeah, they'll they'll they use it as leverage. Yeah. yeah. So, and I also hope out of all yeah. of this, Taylor truly is at peace and no longer in pain or battling his demons. Right. But there's a letter published from Taylor's mom, and I'm gonna read it. Quote: My grieving has been thwarted as I spend every day trying to educate myself on the Georgia judicial system, and every night praying that the people responsible are held accountable. My heart breaks a little more each day. I wish I could pour my heart out to the investigators, prosecutors, lawyers, judges, and grand jury participants. I desperately want them to feel my pain so they can be passionate about the case as I am. I pray that they leave no stone unturned and do everything possible to find the truth, end quote. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and I want to take the time to thank Taylor's mom, Nicole. She sent me yes. everything I needed and more yes. to make this, thank po- you. this episode possible. And, and thank she, you for allowing us to cover his yes, case. Yes, she was definitely okay with it, and she's such a fighter, and I know she would do anything in her power to get justice for her son, who right. was a sweet soul, gone way too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you would like to stay in the loop about Taylor's case, head on over to their Facebook page, Justice for Taylor Williams, and follow them. We also believe that there are strength in numbers, For sure. so we encourage our listeners to take a minute or two out of their day to make a phone call to the Camden County DA's office at 856-225-8400, and we need to be Taylor's voice in order to bring her killer, his killer yes. to justice. Yes. Also, please take the time to sign the petition that will be pre- presented to the Georgia governor and the Georgia attorney general. Um, we'll share the link to his physician and it'll be all over our social media. If you or someone you know suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder, there are resources and help available. Visit www.droghelpline.org to learn about how you can identify the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. However, if you are experiencing a crisis or an emergency, call 911. The hotline is not a crisis hotline. Additionally, you can visit www.onceasoldier.org for information related to soldier suicide, PTSD, and related topics helpful to veterans and their families. That's the case of Taylor Doc Williams. Thank you for listening to Homeside Homegirls. If you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to our Facebook page and leave us a review or rate us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you want to be the first to know when an episode is released, Make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram at Homicide Homegirls, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Homicide Homegirls Podcast, and Twitter at Homegirls Pod. If you would like to suggest an episode, use the form located on our Facebook page. Once a month, we plan to answer fan-submitted questions in a segment we like to call 
hashtag AskTheHomeGirls. So be sure to use the form on our Facebook page to submit your questions.